Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian, and joined with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. We couldn't think of anything to talk about this week that's timely, so we're going to go back to old faithful, like when we used to have themes. Topics. Or, uh, topics. We would have topics. Um, and we're going to do, uh, what is what do we call this? Hidden Gems Hidden of 2008. Gems. Yep. Hidden Gems of 2008. Now, uh, now I picked... 2008 as uh, the year because in my mind I thought this would be kind of fun. It was the first year that I started living the life Mm -hmm. and you know I know I saw a lot more movies that year probably than I did the year before and this was also like kind of the heyday of like the red box era. So a lot of these movies carried over into my college years of things Mm -hmm. that just like were rentable uh, that I probably picked up on a Saturday night and so I, I had hoped that this would be like a fun uh, group to pick from and i'm kind of sorry that they're all dog shit <laughs> <laughs> it's not the worst year i looked at because we well, picked a few others and this one's better than that well you know it's funny i the thing that i noticed going through this year was not necessarily that it was a large group of dog shit movies it was more that this may be the year the year we're doing is the year of our lord 2008 right mm-hmm. uh this may be the year i was most in tune with humanity oh because there was very little hidden gems for me to pick. Like anything that I think would have usually been like sort of under the radar on a different year, like Gran Torino or The Wrestler or Slumdog Millionaire. Those were like huge hits this year. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really hard to find anything that wasn't something that was, you know, that was under the radar. Yeah, I mean, I kind of took it as things that I feel like time has forgot because right. it was really hard to, to come up with those movies just because, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe this is the same thing. Like, I was just very in tune with, uh, or we all were. We didn't know better. Right. We just went to the movies. That's what we did for fun. It was, you know, before Facebook. But, like, I put The Wrestler and Gran Torino on my honorable mentions because I don't know that they've had, like, staying power in right. the conversation. Yeah. right. I did. I said this before, but I came up with categories for all of these. Oh, good. All the ones on my list. And the category for The Wrestler is uh, most well cast. Right. Because it turns out Mickey Rourke cannot act. <laughs> and he right. just was being himself right. in that movie. Right, right, And it right. worked. And Gran Torino, yeah, I put as most Republican. And the reason why is... The racist is the hero of that story. Right, right. And, and he still gets to be racist. And he still gets to be racist. Yeah. And it's that's a Republican's dream right sure, there. Sure. Um, it's almost, it's it's really portrayed as being endearing in that. Yeah. Oh, he's a lovable racist. Old racist, just like your grandpa. Right. 2008, good year. Don't have to include this. Year I lost my virginity, so good choice. Boy, <laughs> do you want me to include that? I don't know. I, I, just, I just hit me. I had never done the math, but you were like, it's a good year for this reason. I'm like, was it a good year? And I was like, well, I got laid that year, so that's pretty I, good. I feel like our listeners already know too much about you. That's but true. You know what? I'm a very open guy. I, sometimes too much, so that's okay. I don't care. Uh, so, well, do we want to take a stab in the dark at the top 10 movies? Top like, 10 grossing movies of 2008. I mean, I really feel like this should be pretty easy. Kingdom yeah. of the Crystal Skull has got to be up there. It is number uh, two. Of, of course. Transformers. Dark Knight. The Dark, Dark Knight, Knight is number one. Dark one Knight. billion dollars. Iron Man. Yes. Iron Mama Man. Mia. Yes. Number five. Uh, Mama Mia. I, I would Iron Man's all the way down to number eight. I, I was going to say, I would have thought Mama Mia was like three. That shit was... 
There was a lot of ladies doing a lot of multiple viewings. This, this is one of those ones where if, if I was making a clickbaity article, it was like, 10 top movies of 2008, number four will surprise you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is number four? Uh, well, <laughs> no, you're not done yet. You, you got I honestly others? don't even remember the movies that came out this year. It says See, the one I wrote down. There, there's some of these that... First of all, I'm, I'm going to take a wild stab. Is Step Brothers on there? Step Brothers is not on there. First of all, isn't it crazy that Step Brothers feels later to me? Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, because there's another Will Ferrell movie on my list. So it's feels on like mine, this. too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, it is funny. There, there are a lot of movies from this year that didn't like weren't big box office success that had more staying power, yeah. which is kind of like, I feel like the reverse of, you know, right. yeah. it saying. makes it hard for this. Yeah, right. it's, the yeah. re- it's the reverse of what we're going for in, the, in this. Uh, Just tell us program. the rest. Joseph. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, number 10, Wally. Oh, wow. I mean, wow. that makes sense. I'm, yeah. I should have guessed that. Number nine, Twilight. Oh, yeah. yeah that yeah. was another one, though, that I was really surprised that came out this year. That felt December. like 2010 to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it does feel really early for Twilight. Yeah. Number eight, Iron Man. Number seven, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I I think that movie's underrated. Uh, number six, Madagascar two. I would have never guessed that, but I'm also not surprised by it. Number five, Mamma Mia. Number four, Hancock. Oh wow! I'm surprised it was such big, uh, such you know, a six hundred and twenty nine million dollars wow. worldwide. You know what? I'm actually again. That's one I wouldn't have guessed, but I'm not surprised by because that movie was fucking huge man we were just selling that shit out putting it in extra theaters left and right i mean i don't know how much fucking phantom menace made but is there another movie that as many people have seen that unilaterally people think is a, a shit movie right. <laughs> hancock's pretty bad i like it I'll, I'll be the first to say but i like culturally we've like hardcore turned on hancock it's a it's a bad movie from like the normative American perspective, I think I liked it at the time, but I've never watched it again that's, since. That's where I'm at. I think I remember it being like intriguing enough, mm. but never intriguing enough to ever watch it a second. You know time. what? It's it's a lot like Wanted in that it's also this year. It came out this year. That is the year that we stopped being ashamed of superhero movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and those are both movies that are ashamed of being superhero. Yeah, movies. yeah, yeah. Chris Pratt gets hit in the face with a keyboard. Says fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> I also like. I one. think that's like the first major Chris Pratt role. Yeah, is it really? Yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, uh, no, he's in that one shit. One, one Tree Hill. What show was he on? No, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Uh, the other honorable mentions I'm going to put as far as like made more money than I thought they did. The Mummy Three. Yeah, uh, was the 13th highest grossing movie of the that's year. Crazy. Uh, it's weird too because it's kind of remembered as being a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire, which, man, Danny Boyle cashed the fuck in on that one. Right. Yeah. Just remade City of God with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Right. Yeah. Good shit. Uh, I, I, it's not surprising to me that it made money, but I still can't believe that David Fincher made Curious Case of Benjamin Button. It surprises me every time I think about it. Right. And then number 20, again, this is the, the reason this is very hard for this year. Number 20 on this list, the 20th top grossing film of this year was Gran Torino. I mean, yeah. That yeah, movie I, made a lot of money. Yeah. It was very um, popular. You know, I mean, I really only found, like, two movies that fit into what we uh, think of like this. And one of them, Joseph, I'm positive is going to bring up. And the, But the, both of the two, I didn't, I didn't see at the time, so I can't really put them on this. What are they? You can't uh, tease us like that. No. Uh, in Bruges. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely on Joseph's list. Yeah. And, and this is another one I thought probably came out five years after this. Uh, Be Kind Rewind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I never watched Be Kind Rewind, and I almost put in Bruges on mine, but literally I was like, Chelsea was going to say it. (laughs) I don't need to worry about it. Well, one of us was going to cover it. There was no doubt. Does anybody want to talk? I'll I'll go one. All right. I'll go one. Again, not sure that it counts as underrated. Right. Best movie theater experience in 2008. Motherfucking Cloverfield. Cloverfield. I knew I, that. That was one that I was going to put on my list. Like, no, nah, Christian's going to get that one. Uh, I went to Cloverfield, you know, midnight showing, opening night at Bayou. Mm. And uh, it was me and friend of the show, Alanders Frazier. Right on. And my former brother-in-law, Brandon Veal. Yep. Uh, and they gave us um, cameras. Everyone got cameras. Like, um, that. you know... Like disposable. Disposable, yeah. but everyone clicked through it way before the movie started. <laughs> like, everyone was taking pictures. So then everyone would just do the flash. <laughs> like, the movie's going on, and someone would just throw their camera up in your face and hit the flash <laughs> in a dark fucking theater. And it really added to the experience. Right. Um, but this, I mean, the marketing behind I this was, was say, awesome. When was the last time movie marketing was this fun? Never. It was never. never. It's got to be the last time. I mean, I, I would... I would argue that the marketing before that that's most fun that's very similar to this is Blair Witch Project. Mm, but the difference is Blair Witch Project is a shit movie and this movie's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, the One of the last times J.J. Abrams was legitimately cool yeah. and he just produced it. Drew Goddard. Mm. Um, I mean, the cast is a bunch of forgettable people. That guy who called in the bomb threat, he's on there. T.J., yep. whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just... It's fucking awesome, and it's hard to describe like what it was like at that time right, to right. watch that movie. Right. Yeah, Cloverfield better than Transformers, underrated. Yeah, hundred percent. Also, a, a super fun time to be living the life, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody was excited. It was working at the theater was excited to see this. Everyone who saw it, it was the talk for mm-hmm. days and days and days. Just had a really good time with this. I think I still got a poster somewhere. All That's right, cool. Yeah. My first one, I don't know how many we're going to do, so I may have several at the end. I just wrote a lot of movies down. But uh, uh, the Rambo reboot. Oh, yeah. With Sylvester Stallone. I I know... uh, This uh, one just called Rambo? It's just called Rambo. Supposedly, I've heard an interview with Stallone where he talks about, like, how he... You know, because he wrote uh, Rocky and, like... After Rocky was a success, he was essentially encouraged by the studio executives to just, like, make a movie. It doesn't have to be so fucking fancy. You don't have to be so intellectual, whatever. Right. Uh, just make the movie. And he's like, fine, I'll, I'll start writing that way. And I feel like this was... Uh, not that Rainbow 2 isn't this, but I feel like this is like... Right. I'm, I'm going back to basics. I know what people like about these movies. I'm just going to make that. He's like 60 years old. He's ripped. He tears a guy in half with a square machete. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking fun. It's a blast. It's just fun. It yeah. is so fucking gory. Yeah. yeah it's, it's super gory. Have I told you guys the most horrifying thing I ever saw in a movie theater ever? No. I feel like I have. I'm so. positive I've I'm heard sure the story. I'm sure we have. But... Uh, if I have, just stop me. But uh, So, you know, we all know from living the life, sometimes you're going to catch people having sex in movie theaters. Yeah. And I'm, I'm never mad about it. Good for you. You know, usually it's, I think I know where this story's going. Usually <laughs> it's it's teenagers, and you know you you feel for them. They don't have anywhere else to go. So this was before number fifteen was an IMAX theater. This one was playing number fifteen, and that was my favorite theater to cut through to get upstairs. I'm I'm cutting through it, and right there on that first row above the handicap thing, there is a military couple. 
military dude, military lady, as was our bread and butter in those days. And in just the middle of the goriest machine gun saw scene in that movie, the dude, the military dude, is finger banging the military girl, and she's just locked on the screen. (laughs) Like, she's not blinking, she's just looking at it. So that woman's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I feel and, like the most American thing I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> and uh, she still hasn't got caught, so good for her. Yeah. All right. Awesome. You hurt? Do you have more? Oh boy, do I? Uh, I'll go ahead and bring this one up first, since we already kind of talked about that. We're going to bring it up. Uh, Semi pro. Yeah, I gave it best Will Ferrell movie of two thousand. <laughs> See, I think it's overshadowed probably because Step Brothers mm-hmm. came out that year, and because it's just strange because it's very much Will Ferrell playing an over-the-top, Ricky Bobby, Anchorman-type character in what is sort of a semi-realistic mm-hmm. world, you know? Like, Woody Harrelson's a realistic character. The other characters in this are realistic characters. It's like if you took a Will Ferrell character and put it in a sort of Siri comedy. And uh, I think it was awkward on the first watch. The first time I watched it, I was like, I don't know if I like this, but I've watched it a lot since then. And the soundtrack's a banger. Yeah, this is probably the Will, Fer- Will Ferrell movie I have watched the most all right. out of all of them. Um, I think it's, you know, he went on a little run of, like, sports comedies right. with um, Talladega Nights and Blades of Glory and then Semi-Pro, and it's my favorite of the three. I think it's super quotable. Mm-hmm. I think all the characters are funny. Uh, I'm a sucker for Andre 3000. So, Me too. Um, you know, always happy he pops up. Uh, like you said, the soundtrack's great. I don't know. I just think this movie fucking is awesome. And people either didn't like it, because again, I think the first watch, you're kind of, you're not sure exactly what it right. is. Um, but if you try it again, you, I promise you'll have a better opinion of it. And again, <laughs> Step Brothers came out that year, and Step Brothers is remembered as like the best. So right. it gets overshadowed. But I think it's worth your time, semi-pro. I mean, full credit to Will Ferrell. You're, it's a good point. A lot of Will Ferrell movies get better the more times you watch yeah. them, which yeah. I don't feel like is the norm for comedy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's fair enough. Well, you know I, what the thing is, is I think one of the things is he doesn't pause for laughter. Mm. He just you keeps know, going. He just keeps going. So when you're laughing at one joke, you're missing the next joke. So mm-hmm. Joseph, uh, my next one is, uh, I don't know if it's a good movie. I don't even know if it's a hidden gem, uh, but the movie street Kings, I don't know if you guys have even heard of it. It sounds so but familiar. every fucking person in Hollywood is in this fucking movie. It's a movie about... I can't remember. It's Keanu Reeves is the main character. It's Keanu Reeves and uh, Forrest Whitaker are the main characters. And there's like a dirty cop in the force. And I think Keanu Reeves is like supposed to be going to track him down. But people think that he's the dirty cop. Yeah. And it's like a whole thing. But every single person in Hollywood is in this movie and every single person dies. Keanu Reeves is in it. Forrest Whitaker's in it. Hugh Laurie's in it. Chris Evans is in it. Cedric the Entertainer. Jay Moore. Terry Crews. Naomi Harris. Common. Uh, It's just like, it's crazy how many fucking people are in it. Chris in the Morning is in it. Yeah. You know what? I didn't see this when I was looking through the list or it would have been on mine. I agree. This, This one's underrated. It didn't do well. It was kind of... The end of Keanu before the Keanu yes, years mm-hmm. later. It's it's written by James Elroy, who's maybe my favorite crime author ever. He's the guy behind L.A. Confidential. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. I I want to be clear. It like it wants to have a, like a really dark, gritty tone to right. it. Right. No, one hundred percent. I don't think it accomplishes no, that I don't at think all. It does either? But, but I still think it's pretty. I fun. think it's a again because of the cast. It has a great cast. Yeah. 
I don't remember this movie at all. Nobody saw it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, this one, again, this is probably... Actually, I'm going to do two here because they're sort of they're sort of the same thing. These were movies that I think just have, like you said, been forgotten by time mm-hmm. because there's been so many fucking superhero movies since. Then. But Hellboy 2 and Punisher Warzone. Mm. Sure. Punisher Warzone, only good Punisher movie ever. Only one that got exactly what Punisher mm-hmm. needed to be, which was basically that Rambo movie, just over-the-top, gory nonsense. And uh, Hellboy 2, you know, Hellboy 1's a great movie, but Hellboy 2 is a better Guillermo movie, Mm. you know? Uh, And, you know, again, these kind of just got overshadowed because I think they both came out in between Iron Man and The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like both of those movies. Um, I don't think The Punisher is a... The Punisher 2 is a necessarily smart movie. No, it, I don't even know I necessarily would call it a good movie, but yeah. it's a fun movie, and it's the only thing that came close to getting right yeah. how you do a Punisher Who movie. is it? Ray... Ray who just died. Winston? Ray uh, no. Stevenson. Ray Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah. Yes. He's it's, so fucking good as Frank he's, Castle. He's perfect at yeah. it. He's He is that character come to life. I'm ashamed to say I've never seen this movie because everyone I know says the exact same thing that it's way better than the like the first Punisher yeah. movie. Yeah. You should watch it because also the villain is McNulty. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I should also be clear. I do like the regular, the original Punisher with Thomas movie. Jane with Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. I, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily saying that it's bad. I'm just saying that. That's the best version of that character. It, yeah. A, pun- a Punisher movie can seem sort of generic because it's just a guy with a gun who wants revenge. Sure. Yeah. You know, and but this... we, we get like four of those movies every year at least. <laughs> what if he did a John Wick Punisher movie now? Like in that oh, the, the that's John a Wick good genre. They, I mean, because Marvel loves doing stuff in genres. Yeah. Now that John Wick is a recognized genre, let's do John Wick Punisher. Why did I make John Wick? John, John Wick. <laughs> I made him French for some reason. Uh, this one is not forgotten, but I don't think we talk about it near enough for being what it is. The category that I gave it is goat question mark forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm. Easily the best comedy of the two thousands, I think. Oh, agreed, one hundred percent. Definitely the one I've watched the most. Yeah, definitely uh, the one I've quoted the most. It is hysterical. Yeah. Um. (laughs) It's so well written, so well acted, and again, there's not a joke that does not hit in that movie. I was about to say, it's deeply quotable. Yeah. Uh, and I again, when we talk about movies, again, we can have recency bias, and there's right. not a lot of comedies anymore. Streaming has kind of killed the comedy right. in the theater, but um, this movie should absolutely be in the conversation of like top 25 comedies all time, because it really is fucking hysterical. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch with a crowd. It's fun to watch by yourself. It's fun to watch over and over. Yeah, and again, I realize very well liked, but mm. I just don't think it still quite gets the recognition right. that I think it deserves. It's good enough that even though I hate Jason Siegel, I still think this is a good movie. It's <laughs> fair. Yeah. Uh, well, on a similar note, uh, uh, the the movie that is also forgotten from this year, I th- I'm pretty sure it's from this year, is uh, Sean William Scott and fucking Paul Rudd's oh, role model. Role models. <laughs> Yeah. I was, was going to say, if you bring up Fierce yeah. Air Marshall, you got to bring up Role Model. Yeah. Role Model's also hysterical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of the same points. I yeah. just. Uh, also, probably, was it the last big Sean William Scott movie role that wasn't in American Pie? Yeah. It's I would up think there. probably. It's up there, yeah. yeah. And that's unfortunate. I think Sean William Scott, he had a thing that he could do really, really yep. well, but he was so good at it. I know. Right. 
And I don't know if that thing just kind of got canceled before things got canceled or right. whatever, but bring that guy back. Yeah, I, it's time for a renaissance of him. He's yeah. on a show on Hulu, but he nobody's is, watched yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't we have shows on Hulu? Doesn't everybody have a show <laughs> on Hulu? That doesn't narrow anything down. Uh, let's see, what else did I have on here that I wanted to talk about? You know, we, we talked about recently this guy puts out a lot of stuff so much that you don't notice how much it is. But I think the the last one of his movies I really, really dug that was in his genre, Rock and Rolla. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. totally on my list. Oh, also. But, again, I don't think a lot of people saw it, but I it's a super fun movie. Great cast. And one of those, everybody from that time is in it. Yeah, it's it's way, it is way down the list as far as uh, uh, box office, <laughs> right? But yeah, no, I mean it's it's you know he's like he's not treading any new ground no. here. No. Uh, but but it's a great version. It's, it's of a that great thing. version of that yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't th- and I think they're made for pretty cheap. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, like I that has to be why they keep churning them two of them out every year. I mean, it has to spend the most on you know payroll. Yes. Like it has to be the most on the actors because there's no like special effects or anything to these yeah. movies. My next is most misunderstood Speed Racer. I was I, I I specifically had not said Speed Racer yet because I was waiting for you to say Speed Racer. It's a well known thing that Speed Racer is like one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. I think it's. I, I just, I, to me, it's perfect. It's exactly what it should be. Now, is that thing for everyone? Uh, probably not. Maybe not. But if you want to make a 1970s anime in live action, you either do Speed Racer or you don't do it. That's right. my opinion. It goes so fucking hard. I, I love this movie. And fucking Matthew Fox. God, he was at peak lost, and he made the choice to wear a mask the whole movie. Yeah, like right. he, that does it happen? And uh, he has the perfectly shaped head to be he Racer does. X. He does. Um, yeah, the thing is with me that I love about this movie, besides the fact that it's just bright candy to look yes. at, it looks like no other movie before or since. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it doesn't try to make a thing that's silly not silly. Yep. It doesn't try to make something make sense that doesn't need to make sense. It's just like, here is this thing that I loved and I want you to experience. And obviously America wasn't on board, mm-hmm. but the people who were really were. <laughs> I'm still talking about it 20 years yeah, I, I feel like if Emil Hirsch wasn't the main guy in this movie, I could give it more of a chance. I yeah, don't think fair. I enjoy the rest of it, but I just really hate Emil Hirsch. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he was not doing it for Did me. Did you hate him that much at that time? I hated him all the time, and yeah. I don't really have a justification for it. Nah, I, you I, don't have to preach to me, dude. Yeah, I get yeah. that. <laughs> I think I just don't like his face. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Him and, what's the, Justin Chatwin? You remember that guy? I do not remember that guy. Yeah, he was like a worse Emil Hirsch. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, he played Goku in the Dragon Ball. Oh movie. no, I do remember that <laughs> yeah. guy then. Fair enough. Uh, look, I don't even want to talk about it in Bruges because I don't feel like we really need to. <laughs> Again, it's one that I don't think is is a hidden gem. It's it's yeah. had tremendous it's staying power. Kind of thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one's slightly more than I, as I'm kind of whittling down here. It Man came out in 2008. Oh wow, the first one, the first It Man. Yeah. Which is uh, old Donnie Yen kind of, I feel like, revitalized the kung fu genre. Yeah, I would say so. It was definitely one of those things where uh, word of mouth was very mm-hmm. strong for this movie. All your friends were like, have you seen it, man? Uh, and yeah, it just it fucking kicks ass because Donnie Yen's really, I mean, not just Donnie Yen, everybody's good at it, but uh, he really sells the kung fu in it. Yeah, and I give, uh, 
it only gets better too. That's like that in my, my opinion. Like the budget increases, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you get like just cooler fights. I and hate the like, one where they're fighting a fucking boxer, dude. That's... It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a great fight. Scene. <laughs> what, what was it? Man Two is better than It Man One though. That's probably true. This I'm not even going to talk about the movie. I just want to say, well, the movie would have to be under uh, uh, underrated because nobody talks about this anymore, but. There's never been an entire movie that scared me as much as the trailer to The Strangers did. Ooh, The Strangers trailer fucked me up. I needed somebody to walk me to the car after the first time I watched The Strangers trailer. I never watched the movie because the the trailer was too scary. Is that the Cabin in the Woods one? Or which one is The Strangers? The Strangers is literally just their... They're out at this rural house, yeah. and there's these three kids in masks. Like, that show up. Okay, yeah, no, it, I also yeah. remember that trailer. Yeah. <laughs> it is striking. My my last three actually are like forgotten things. Okay, um, and this movie is not good. I'm not recommending anyone watch it, but it's the most 2008. Okay, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Sure, sure, sure. Michael Sarah, Cat Dennings, fucking Snow Patrol. You couldn't get more 2008. I- I was going to bring up this movie, too, because it's literally a movie built around dead technology. (laughs) Like, you know, a movie about iPod Mm -hmm. culture only makes sense in the year 2008. 2007 would have been too early. 2009 would have been too late. I will say also in this, I'm sure I've talked about this. I don't even know the actress's name, but the girl who plays the drunk girl in this... Mm -hmm best drunk girl ever in a movie she gets drunk girl down because she understands what's different about drunk girl than drunk guy drunk girl has a very specific thing where she thinks you don't understand what she's saying Mm. she drunk guy has problems understanding you drunk girl has no problem understanding you drunk girl doesn't think you can understand the complicated point that she's trying to convey that you're understanding fine my favorite thing about this show is when you pick a weird thing and you have like a pre-prepared <laughs> monologue about it. Love it. I, I really do love I, I wish I knew that girl's name off the top of my head because I think it's an Oscar-worthy performance. I've never seen this movie, but and I've never had a tremendous interest in it. But now that you pitch it as just 2008 nostalgia yeah. in a movie, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, maybe I should see if this is on streaming now. And yeah, yeah. I think you just said this, but yeah, who's more 2008 than Kat Denning and Michael Sears? Correct. Like, yeah. you know... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have, like, uh, did you, you said three, did you still do three? I have three? two more. Oh, okay. I can just finish them off. If you yeah, I, I'm just, like, I roll them off. So, shockingly, not the most Republican. The most why, just why does it exist, W. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why wasn't, why wasn't it either fun or not fun? You know what I'm saying? Why do you make a movie about a president who's still in office? <laughs> right. George Bush was still president in 2008, <laughs> right. and Oliver Stone could not wait. So much <laughs> that he had to make the movie before Obama got in office. It's it just just why I just want to know why. Uh, also, but, man, just Josh Brolin as W sounds like a great time. I mean, I do think it is a fun time. Right. Um, and then my other honorable mentions: <laughs> most canceled in twenty twenty four. 
21. And I don't know if everyone's canceled in that movie, but I just think one dude is so canceled yeah, yeah, yeah. that it taints the whole other thing. <laughs> right. And we've talked about it at length on this podcast, but Kingdom of Crystal Skull, it's better than you think it is. <laughs> I, yeah, that, you know, I mean, I also was going to mention that as underrated, even though we just did a whole podcast on it. I want to bring that home. That's way better than you remember it. Yeah. Boy, I don't know if I have any good ones. I, I was also alarmed while I was going through this list of how many movies that I know that I saw. Make sure I didn't leave any. That I don't remember a fucking thing about. <laughs> oh, I got one more. <laughs> okay, go for it. Uh, this one's ju- mostly for Jehu. Mm, Jennifer Carpenter, Quarantine. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Yeah. Jennifer Carpenter, Carpenter, the first movie I remember noticing that the last scene in the trailer, I mean in the movie, is in the trailer. Yes. If you've watched that mo- trailer... You got the point. I mean, I love a movie with a simple plot, which is just, you're going to be locked in the house with people with rabies. (laughs) And that's all it is for 90 minutes. And and it's all in night vision. Yeah. Fucking cool. Also, also, rabies as a stand-in for zombies is very oddies. Yeah. Very mid-oddies. It's super rabies. Let's give it, they even use the term, I think, super rabies. Uh, look, it's not actually a hidden gem, but I just like to say it because it makes Christian mad. The Hurt Locker came out in oh, 2008. God. <laughs> it hurts everything about, like, everything in me. My brain hurts. I, I, the fucking hurt I mean, that is definitely not a hidden gem. It won Oscars. Yeah, no, well, you know, nobody fucking talks about it, but... I mean, you know, it is funny that uh, Jeremy Renner has become such an embarrassing mess that we... He's almost like... He's almost like Jason Statham. We forget that Jason Statham was an actor at one point. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's there are a few actors that have had more shots at like the spotlight than Jeremy Renner. Right. To be like completely forgotten and just like never taken off from it. I mean, he like ruined one franchise yeah. in The Bourne and then got immediately replaced with a 50-year-old Tom Cruise in the other one. Yep. Right. Tom Cruise, who had brought him in to replace him. Yes. And then he was like, nah, you no, can't you can't do that. Him. You're not ready. I know a better guy to replace me. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Anthony Mackie's in that movie, and I fucking can't stand that guy. I know you do. <laughs> uh, as, as far as like significant movies, Let the Right One In came out this year. I, mm. I never fucking finished this movie. It right. bored the shit out of me, but people seem to like is it. The original, it, let, the original Let the Right One In. Everyone who needs to see that movie has seen it. That's, That's probably right. you know yeah. We're not recommending it mm-hmm. to everybody. Uh, and, then, and then these are the real deep cuts, because uh, these were like my Redbox things. Uh, Smart People with Dennis Quaid, Thomas yep. Hayden Church, and Elliot Page at the time, Ellen Page. Uh, and it's just about how smart people are miserable, and Sarah Jessica Parker is in it. Uh, Made me miserable. It's it's not a good movie. It was the it was the first movie Val and I watched together. Oh wow, <laughs> uh, which was not a good choice. Uh, and then the last one uh, is uh, Charlie Bartlett, which I mentioned. Oh God, because I, I again I saw it and I was like I've sh- I know I've seen this movie, but I don't remember a fucking thing about yeah. it. It's Anton Yelchin. He's a rich kid who goes to a public school and becomes a therapist. But I mostly wanted to mention it because it's the thing that Robert Downey Jr. did before Robert Downey Jr. realized he could make a shit ton of money just doing Marvel <laughs> shit. Right, yeah. right. Man, Anton Yelchin. I know, man. Gone too soon. Way too soon. Yeah. Uh, just what a to... bummer, Joseph. Why did bring us down there? <laughs> uh, a couple more things I'll bring up. Defiance, good movie. I don't think anybody really remembers. Sure. Two that aren't really hidden gems. I just want to mention because uh, of how they've affected me or other reasons. Baby Mama. Never watch that movie. But daily, I say, bitch, I don't know your life. <laughs> daily, I say that. Uh, uh, and uh, and finally, I just wanted to bring up Never Back Down because I'm still... <laughs> I, 
I'm still arguing with people in 2008 who want to say this is a Karate Kid make remake. It is not a Karate Kid remake. It's a Top Gun remake. Interesting. All <laughs> 80s movies are, there's a thing. Yeah. And there's a kid who's sort of ostracized who wants to learn the thing. And he meets someone who teaches him mm-hmm. the thing. And he overcomes the thing because of it. So that's all of them. So the only reason people say Karate Kid never backed down is because they think fighting equals fighting. fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, in the formula, it follows Top Gun more because there's a goose. Mm-hmm. There's no goose in Karate Kid. You know, there's nobody mm-hmm. who gets taken out that he then has to, you know, rise to the occasion for. But in this, there is. Also, the kid looks just like Tom Cruise, and the bad guy kid kind of looks like Iceman. It's Top Gun. All right. I don't know if that's where, where we needed to end this on, but that's that was the last thing I have to say. On what I most remember about Never Back Down is there were certain, you know, obviously the times influenced mm-hmm. the quote unquote art, but there are certain movies that like just felt like I was like it just felt representative of that period, like you know, seeing three hundred in whatever two thousand and seven, whatever yes. like that felt like two thousand and seven right. was going to the theater. That's true for Never Back right, Down. Like right. it felt like. This is what you do in 2008. You go watch this dumbass movie. But but unlike that, uh, unlike 300, it only existed in Only that time. then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, I don't know if this movie's had any staying power, especially since one of the leads is is canceled and probably should be more canceled than he is. Pineapple Express, one of the great stoner comedies. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's legitimately a hilarious you know, comedy. I, I was going to, uh, that was the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up. The other thing I wanted to bring up about 2008. On 2008, you were either on Team Pineapple Express or Team Tropic Thunder. Mm. You can enjoy both, but one of them was your jam. Sure. And Tropic Thunder was my yeah, jam. Yeah, Tropic Thunder is my jam. Uh, but I think that's probably it. This went on way longer than I thought. <laughs> we had a lot of we just really got to. I it. think yeah. I think we realized the quality wasn't there, so we yeah. went for quantity. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly I think this just turned into I sure was happy to be alive in 2008. <laughs> rather, I was. Than, I had a good time yeah. in 2008. I did too. <laughs> you lost your virginity, I did. as we've learned. Well, I I had had a few real bad years before 2008, and 2008 was an upswing for me. All so. right. But I think that's it for Hidden Gems 2008. What have we been watching the last week or so, guys? So as, you know, we've talked about a lot in this episode, so it's timely. I'm a millennial. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, uh-huh. I did a lot of my growing up in the 1990s and the mm-hmm. 2000s. And uh, growing up, especially in the South in the 90s, mm-hmm. I was raised to believe two things, which is that... Um, Shania Twain was God's gift to humanity, right? And the baddest motherfucker to ever sit behind the wheel of a car is Dale Earnhardt Jr., the right. Terminator, or Dale Earnhardt the Intimidator, right? So, like, and NASCAR, and again, God, it's such an appropriate thing to talk about on this episode. People don't understand how fucking huge NASCAR was in the late '90s and early 2000s. One hundred percent. Like, there was a good chance you didn't know an NFL quarterback, but you knew Jeff Gordon, right? These dudes were just the biggest fucking superstars on the planet, right? And again, I've watched NASCAR as a kid. I didn't really stick with it. I love sports. I love anything competitive. Right. But, you know, just watching somebody turn left mm-hmm. over and over again <laughs> doesn't do it for me. Right, right. I watched the Daytona 500 where Dale Earnhardt died. I remember it. It's ingrained in my memory forever. But it's just not something that I stuck with. Now, 
mind you, throughout my life, has there been times when, like, I know enough about NASCAR where I can, like, have a conversation? Sure, I'm an addict. I will watch and keep up with anything competitive. I check ESPN, like, 45 <laughs> times a day. I know enough to have a conversation. And I've watched enough to be able to, like, you know, have some opinions. But Netflix has a new... A documentary out called NASCAR Full Speed, and I watched it this week. And if you're unfamiliar, also, this has been like Netflix thing over the last like year is to do like these mini four or five episode sports documentaries. They did quarterbacks, and it was kind of lame because you just you you didn't change your opinion. You knew exactly what you want. They did one on the PGA, and like it was okay. But golfers are prima donnas. They're super fucking annoying. They just whine all the time. But what makes this one so fun to me is number one. If there's any sport that should be on a 75-inch TV in 4K in surround sound, it's fucking NASCAR. Right. Like, loud, right. exciting. Your room should shake when you're watching it. And those those wrecks are cool, you know, right. in that high def. Like, right. Um, that part's fun. But two, there's a really kind of, like, interesting storyline, I think, with it, which is, if you're familiar with how NASCAR works, drivers are on teams, and those teams have an owner, and... One of the guys I follow is Denny Hamlin, and Denny Hamlin races for Joe Gibbs. But Denny Hamlin also owns his own team. So he has a team of guys he drives with, and then he has two dudes that he owns who drives. So how does he make decisions right. on yeah. who wins and who he helps? Mm. That's legitimately an interesting question <laughs> yeah, to yeah. ask. That, that seems like a conflict of interest. Correct. Um so, you know, I watched all of it in, like, two days because I was fucking hooked. I was like, that is, I am in. This is an exciting premise. It looks awesome. I'm saying NASCAR full speed, better than Transformers. I <laughs> uh, would not anticipate to say that. Didn't plan on talking about it at all. Sure. But uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Is that on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Can I, <laughs> I, I want a I minor sidebar off of your thing. Because it's a long road back, but stick with me. Here. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel like for the most part, most of the things I, I consume on podcasts that go into my brain are not useful things. It's mostly just what we do, uh, but other people talking. Occasionally, it's something pseudo informative, but not actually informative enough to like have any staying power or impact on my life. One of the few things that I, I learned from a podcast that has stuck with me. Uh, was uh, uh, something I was like, This American Life or something, where it was a psychologist talking about how we as humans, despite how, how advanced we think that we are, we feel first and we think second. Mm. So we, when something happens to you, your body's response will be the feeling, and then your conscious brain will go in and assign a meaning to that feeling. But the conscious brain didn't make the feeling happen. The feeling happened first right and then you're you're thinking you gave stuff. It purpose correct right. yeah. which uh is a hundred percent all that we do here on this podcast right. uh was what we've been doing for the last 30 minutes about uh these fucking whatever movies mediocre movies <laughs> yeah, mediocre <laughs> movies like how did the, how did we feel about them at yeah. the time i say all that to say from the ages of five to like 11 i was obsessed with jeff gordon I had Jeff Gordon fucking everything. Right. I had Jeff Gordon shit on my walls. I yeah. had Jeff Gordon shirts. I had two leather Jeff Gordon jackets. Sweet, I had NASCAR dude. the game. I had fucking every Jeff Gordon thing you can imagine. To this day, from my birth till now, have never seen a NASCAR race. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea why I love Jeff Gordon yeah. so much, but he was my fucking dude and I was ride or die. Right. <laughs> I mean, again, from like, that was probably what, 96, 97 yeah. to like. 2001 2002 
Yeah, he was probably the biggest sports celebrity. Once Michael Jordan retires <laughs> in 97, like, that's fucking it, dude. Yeah. Jeff Gordon is number one. I don't think you're off the base, dude. Yeah. The main thing I remember about Jeff Gordon was that lewd Coke machine artwork he had. Do you guys remember no, this? I don't remember that. He had he, he, the... Every Coke machine in America for like a year had Jeff Gordon on the front of it. And he was spraying a bottle of champagne right from his crotch. Mm. Like it was, yeah, just like right out of his... I mean, what else are you expecting (laughs) to do, you know? That's it for me. It's one of those things where, again, you say that's a picture. I'm sure that's a picture that every NASCAR driver has, that exact (laughs) one. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where I imagine... You'd think it would get less funny the more times you do it, <laughs> but I suspect it's still pretty funny, like, every two or three times. Right. Yeah. That's it. Okay. That concept you talked about, though, yeah. though, I've never heard it articulated like that, but mm-hmm. how I would articulate it is, is that is why I'm embarrassed of anything I've said more than a week ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, anything I have time to think back and was like, oh, that I, I made too big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, your whole life's just post-nut clarity, dude. You spew it out, you spew it out, and then you're just like, oh, fuck, dude. What was I thinking? Oh, boy, get that on a (laughs) t-shirt. All right. I mean, I don't want the only thing I talk about being NASCAR, but I talked about it for five fucking minutes, so I'm going to be done. All right. Uh, I feel, I, you know, I wasn't going to talk about this, but since you talked about NASCAR, I feel obliged to talk about wrestling. Uh, I did watch the Royal... I said to myself, it's okay, because Hurt talks about wrestling. (laughs) Uh, I watched the Royal Rumble this week, and man, what a difference a week makes in wrestling. Like, pretty much it seemed like everything was locked into what we were going in WrestleMania. And in rapid succession, Seth Rollins gets injured. In his first televised match back, CM Punk gets injured. And Brock Lesnar is basically erased from the WWE. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's he's sitting on Chris Benoit Island now. Uh, But, uh... Beyond that, the Royal Rumble was pretty goddamn entertaining. I had some uh, conversations with Ed from More Than Meets These Guys about this, and he had the exact opposite opinion of it. He thought it was boring as fuck. But I thought it was a really good time. They just It was only four matches, the two, the Women's Royal Rumble, the Men's Royal Rumble, uh, the World Title match, and uh, you know a Logan Paul match. But uh, I, I, I had fun with it. Better for the Transformers. Uh Cody won, which I think, uh, you know, everybody thought it would either be Cody or CM Punk. So uh, that was a pretty good moment. It was in St. Petersburg, which was where, you know, the American dreams, you know, sort of stomping ground back in the day was. But yeah, Royal Rumble, better than Transformers. Also, this week, I decided after our year-end thing, I realized, man, there was a lot of shit I didn't watch this year. So I got to start catching up on that stuff. But rather than catching up on killers and of the flower moon or something important like that i watched transformers rise of the beast yeah uh it's pretty damn fun it's the best one i think see i still think that maybe not better than one but well i i still think the only truly great transformers movie is bumblebee oh yeah bumblebee's better i I love bumblebee this is pretty fun and man i really would have wouldn't have thought going into this that i would say this but Pete Davidson really nails it in this. Yeah, he's, he's good. very, very likable. He's just enough Pete Davidson. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, like it's enough where you're like, oh, it's Pete Davidson, right. but it's not annoying. But it, yeah, it's not the level of yeah. him that he annoys me. I don't. I wish they wouldn't have brought back so much of the you know uh, 
super murdery Optimus Prime. I'm going to kill everybody with my robot dick, you know, Optimus Prime. But, you know, uh, but other than that, that that's that's a minor quibble. Uh, you know, I hope they do another one of these. Super fun. Uh, also, I'm super in the pocket for Transformers because I've gotten... Uh, you know how you know how people watch ASMR videos and they say it calms him and stuff like that. I have sort of the same thing with watching videos on YouTube of people transforming transformers. Mm. I do it all the time. Now a lot of them I can enjoy because I fucking hate the geek voice. Sure. You know, it's it's not real. It's an affectation. Uh, I can't stand it. But I found one British guy who does it, and I don't know what a British geek sounds like. He could be the geekiest sounding British guy on earth, but he sounds fine to me, so I watch him. Prime versus Prime is the name of this channel. Better than Transformers. And I'm going to sort of undercut myself there because what I love about him is just how un- I mean, how enthusiastically. Like, he talks about Transformers like an eight-year-old does. He does sound effects. He does voices. It's great. So, yeah, Prime versus Prime. Better than Transformers. Well, look, it, it kind of segues into a thing that I forgot I don't even know if I forgot I was going to talk about, but now I feel like I have to talk about. I was roped into watching a show that my wife and her mm. friends watched in the uh, two seasons of in the course of like three days, uh, which is Netflix's Love on the Spectrum. Uh, <laughs> which, if if you haven't heard of it and you've heard the title, you get the idea. It's it is a reality dating show uh, about high functioning autistic people who are looking for love. Is is the idea, and you follow them on their dates, uh, which we're pretty certain that Netflix has to subsidize because there was like a two week trip to fucking Africa, <laughs> right. yeah, uh, and like a full resort thing. But uh, it's so baffling. To me. <laughs> it's so baffling to me as a society that this is a thing that is like the number three show on Netflix right now. I think it was the number yeah, one right. show for several weeks because like. I don't know. I, I think I'm not saying like autistic people shouldn't date because obviously they should. And right. you know, if, if the show is is providing a platform for them to like do that, good and all. But a large part of the show and a large part of what's presented to us and the point of it is like showing how fucking awkward they are on their dates or yeah, like right. trying to set up the dates. Right. And like you're meant to laugh at them, you know? Right. <laughs> and that feels fucking crazy. I can't, like, it's 2024, year of our fucking Lord. What are we doing? <laughs> I can't, when, when, when Hurt told us a couple weeks ago about his fucking show, where we're, like, judging people on their dicks, and, right. like, surely we can't still be doing this. Yeah. But that, like, on a moral scale, feels like way better. several <laughs> tiers yeah. better than whatever the fuck this is. Uh, love on the Spectrum is worse than Transformers. Uh, for your immortal soul, please don't watch it. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you what my experience with the show. I haven't actually watched it. Yeah. But I watched some YouTube videos of it that I thought, oh, these are very bad comedians doing, <laughs> doing uh, you know, bits that they should be canceled for. Yeah. And later I found out, no, this is just a real show. Yeah. This is a real thing that's happened, and that's crazy. It is nuts. Uh, and there's probably going to be a third season. I mean, is it in any way trying to be helpful? I mean, again, some of them have found people. Okay. So, I don't know. Uh, for the second week in a row, I have to doff my cap to, to Christian for being right. I don't like it. I want to be clear. <laughs> I, I, uh, against his suggestion, I went and watched Maburoshi uh, oh, yeah. by Mario Kuda. 
uh, which is the anime movie about whatever. And it's too look, much. Look, too I, I want to be clear. You know, I, I think you're a smart person, Christian. Uh-huh. I don't want to. I don't want to make you feel like you're not. But I also feel like when the only thing in your tool belt is lost, everything kind of looks like the island. Uh, and so I, I think would, it's pretty losty. When he said odds. Oh, it's pretty much lost, but anime. And I was like, no, I don't really believe that's true. And then I watched it like for 20 minutes. Like, oh, fuck, it's just lost. <laughs> They're just in purgatory. There's just a smoke yeah. monster. It's just fucking lost. The problem is, it much like lost, those things exist purely to ask questions. And that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. In that movie, I don't even know they're there to ask questions. No, no, that like that, <laughs> that's the there. whole central thing, yeah. you know? Like yeah. the, the like you say, like Lost, each episode is about a specific character's arc. Yeah. And then like there's just some bizarre island shit happening in the background. But the whole show is you know, the whole movie of Mabaroshi is just about the weird island shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's no good. <laughs> it's not terrible, but it's it's just it's not what I was hoping it was well, gonna be. You know what? It sounds like if you're someone who complains about Lost all the time, maybe it is for you. Yeah. Because- no, I don't think so because it's what everyone those people, mm-hmm. what they complain about Lost, that's what this is. Like like the filter those people watch right. Lost through, this is that filter, oh, right on. I think. Because I mean, I feel like the people who were unhappy with how lost, I love that we're talking about the end of lost again. Uh, uh, I pitched I, it for the episode. I, the, uh, the the people who are unhappy with the end of the law in Lost, it's always about they, you know, they were they only cared about the mystery. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't care about the characters. It was just the mystery. So this sounds like it's just the mystery. Yeah, but there's no solution. Oh, then, there's that, no, then they won't yeah. like that. No. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's no good. Uh, the only other thing I did watch, uh, I went to the, an actual movie theater and watched uh, American Fiction with uh, Jeffrey Wright. You Sterling didn't watch Cable. Poor Things? No, we didn't watch Poor Things. Oh. Uh, it, it, it sounds like you guys are not familiar with it at all. I am. No, no, I, I know, totally yeah, am. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll spell it out for anybody who's listening, I guess. Uh, basic premise is uh, main character is an author who is an African-American guy who writes books, but they're not successful. He's frustrated because he sees people who are writing what essentially I think it feels like are like black exploitation books, right? And like making a shit ton of money off it. So he writes one drunk as a joke, and it takes off, and he has to deal with the moral mm. aftermath of that. Right. What what I, I like about I, I will say I watched this movie in a theater of like twelve people, and all of them were white, and that felt weird in mm-hmm. its own right. right. But it, I mean, it is genuinely fucking funny, and I do feel like kind of the hilarious hijinksical premise is to draw you in and then behind the curtain is just like uh, a well-written family drama about a guy trying to figure out how to like reconnect with his family mm-hmm. uh so anyway it's way better than transformers it's really good yeah because the the trailer makes it seem almost like it's like an 80s dudley Moore farce yeah like you, you like or like a movie where you're impersonating a spy but you're not mm-hmm. really a spy because isn't it that he he writes it in character as if he's from the streets correct he's not mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah, it's 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 very good. Again, it's it's very good. It's funny. I think I think to your point, hurt. It was tonally a tough needle to thread, mm-hmm. and it does it effortlessly in a way that like I didn't even notice how mm. weird it could have been. Right, right. So yeah, better than Transformers. Yeah, I've been wanting to see it. Not enough to go to the theater. But. Yeah, no, I mean that's fair. Yeah, but but that's fucking it. We got it. This is a long one for us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next week, something else. Hidden Gems 2009. Look, we, 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 if we ever do Lost, we got to play. I need like three weeks to do Lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least. 
Uh, I'm not saying we do it next week, but I do think it's... If, if we pick a month this year and say at the beginning that's of lost this month... month. <laughs> not for the month. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, need yeah, to be yeah, ready yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll do it. Well, I mean, we do. We've we've just got to figure out something to do for like four weeks till Dune comes out. Yes. And then we yeah. can probably do two or three episodes <laughs> on Dune. Yeah. Uh, that, another example of uh, uh, feel first, thing second, I think. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's it for the show this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and tell us your favorite hidden gems of 2008, uh, anything we missed, if there was possibly anything that we missed. <laughs> I, I think we did the whole I release think, I think we just did all the movies in 2008. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can reach us at, at realphonies.com. <laughs> you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and Instagram, real underscore phonies. Thanks, Zach Evans, for our and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later.